0: I just wanna say that I love what Sarah said, that as was mentioned this afternoon in the BLM session, conflict stops when pain is recognized and acknowledged. And to me, that's a really great summary of everything we've been talking about in this session, because when we acknowledge other people's pain, they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel understood. And that means we go into mourning together. We go into mourning in solidarity. Knowing that we can never understand fully what a person of color is going through, but we can feel their pain. So if we can do that, if we can recognize pain, if we can listen to pain without getting defensive, then we can start to mourn together and to stand in solidarity together.
1: Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries, and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we've learned about ourselves along the way, For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. In this episode of the podcast, Lawrence and I were given a Masterclass in Empathy. As part of our Friday Fireside series of webinars, we were joined by Christine Rain, Empathic Coach, Entrepreneur, and founder of Conversable, a transformational movement on a mission to share how empathy can transform human relationships and therefore the world. It was a very timely conversation given how the world seems to have turned upside down over the past few weeks. Fear, division and blame are driving behaviours more and more. And so we explored how we can use empathy in our lives and work to be able to address the challenges we face and the inequality that exists. According to Christine, empathy starts by being fully present with people, serving as mirrors to what they're saying and feeling, and reflecting what their feelings and needs may be to help them connect with their own inner wisdom. It's about helping people move from a head-centered approach to communicating to a more heart-centered one. At the center of Christine's work is teaching nonviolent communication, and she teaches us what it's about, where it comes from. I found this an incredibly empowering conversation that touched on empathy and privilege and how we can use our deeper understanding of both to contribute to the changes that need to be made in society to make it more equitable for all. Enjoy. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever and whenever you are. <laughs> it's another happy startup. Friday fireside and Lawrence and I are super grateful to have uh one of our really close friends teachers guides um someone who gives us so much energy and uh, and excitement for the work that we do um and as an inspiration for for the work that we want to do going forward particularly in these challenging times I'd like to introduce the lovely Christine Rain um do you want to say hi Christine
0: hi everyone i'm so happy to be here thank you for inviting me carlos and lawrence
2: it's a pleasure always a pleasure
1: always a pleasure
2: you, we've got sebastian who's in the other room probably gonna heckle us is he in the in the interim <laughs>
0: and awesome. it's so nice to see some familiar faces like gail and charlotte um and looking forward to talking and meeting everyone else
1: Awesome. fantastic. Uh, thank you everyone who yes who's, who's come to join have come to join us today um, to share this conversation and share this space. Um, please uh, yes share how you're feeling yeah, think of a word that, that's capturing how you're feeling at the moment and please pipe that into the chat. It would be good to know what the energy is in in the room at the moment. If you are watching us on Facebook um, welcome as well apologies if we don't get back to you on any comments that you might post there uh, and get back to you um, once we finish the recording otherwise come join us here on Crowdcast uh, you should have received the seen the link in, in the in the comments there um, but what are we here for um, <laughs> I think one of the I think this is a very timely conversation uh, and Lawrence and I this morning were we ha- we already kind of Hinted at this this topic um, when we were talking about um, and on another crowdcasts our uh, our thoughts and feelings around responding to the current events that's kind of taken basically taken everyone's attention um, and for us uh, for me personally uh, and part of the conversation we had this morning was this idea of creating space creating a safe space for people to to discuss how they're feeling. And to do that skillfully, I believe, requires a knowledge of empathy and to use empathy within those conversations. But before we go into that and before we dive into anything too deep, Mm -hmm. why don't we have a quick check-in to see how we're all feeling right now. Um, And I'll invite Christine to start.
0: Mm. I'm feeling a bit nervous, as I always do before (laughs) I'm on the spotlight, as an introvert, it's not easy for me to be on the spotlight, but I also feel very excited because this is a community that I love. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, Christine. Mm-hmm. How about you, Lawrence?
2: Yeah, excited. Um, it seems like too long since we caught up with Christine and, and Seb actually. And yeah, this feels like a, a kind of open catch up really. So I'm excited on that front but also keen for people to, to learn, too, because I think part of these conversations is to share what has inspired us and given us value over the last few years to do the work we do. So, yeah, excited that we've got a gift to share with people that haven't already experienced it and to catch up with old friends.
1: I'm feeling... Uh, I've got this warm, grateful feeling in my mm. belly, uh, and it's and I always get that when I talk to you, Christine, and it's, I just feel... Um, thankful for this opportunity um, to be able to connect in this way um, it feels it feels too long since we've seen each other so it's I'm, I'm excited and i feel like i'm just like settling into a lovely conversation with you so i'm looking forward to that <laughs> so yeah you know one of the first things i th- i thought we could start off with for uh, I, I know most of the people who are on this call have met you at least, um, uh, probably know your work, but I'm hoping that the given the topic we're talking about and giving its relevance, will this conversation will go wider. So I thought it would be useful for you to maybe start by just sharing a bit more about your work, about what you do, where you are now as well, because maybe not everyone knows uh, where you're based. Um, and a, a little, maybe a little bit of a potted history as to. What brought you to, to the work that you're doing at the moment?
0: Mm. Okay, so my name is Christine Rain, um, and I'm speaking to you from Costa Rica, which is where I live with my husband, Sebastian Castro, who is also a big Happy Startups fan and active member of the community. Um, I have a, I'm the founder of a organization and in the empathy movement here in Costa Rica called conversable in Spanish or conversable in English. And our mission is quite simple. It's to bring the consciousness of empathy and the tools of nonviolent communication to the highest amount of people possible. And in Costa Rica, especially because we're a very small country, 5 million people, and we're we're really one of those countries where you're like one degree separation from everyone. It's like a big neighborhood. Um, when my when my friends from abroad come visit, they're always very impressed if we go out to bars or to restaurants because there's always someone that you'll run into that you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's more uh, <laughs> something that happens in a small country like this. But really, I think the fact that Com is based in Costa Rica is important and is relevant, not only because it's a country that has a, a very strong identity with peace in general. We don't have an army we've um we've used military funds funds that would have gone to the military to support education for decades back, right so. Um, It's a very different country than than a lot of Latin American countries in that way, And, and people are very proud about that aspect of our history. But also because of its size and because it's very small, it really does feel like reaching a tipping point of people that understand empathy and understand nonviolent communication and have really integrated it to them to themselves and to their work feels possible. It feels possible. And just to give you an example, like our current president took a nonviolent communication workshop, right? Um and and the president of the president of the legislative assembly, who is a woman my age, she's 38 years old. She's a very active part of Conversable. She's done a ton of training and retreats with us and she's taking nonviolent communication into congress let's say costa rican congress so it, it is an exciting time right now um in that it it feels that this seed that was planted or that begun six years ago in creating an empathy movement does feel like it's turning into something it definitely feels like there's an empathy ecosystem in costa rica right now and that what what we offer is Workshops, consultancies, coaching, we do big retreats as well. So anything that can basically transmit some of this consciousness that I have found so useful in my own life um, to as many people as possible. Did that answer your question? I'm not sure if it did. but
1: Even if it didn't, it was a great answer anyway. (laughs) I was going to reflect on you Lawrence, no, so we, we met you through your, your lovely husband, though you are lovelier. <laughs> do, you, do you remember, Lawrence, when we met Sebas? Uh,
2: wasn't it when he came to Brighton, to the, to the clubhouse? Um, yeah, remember we came yeah. to, uh, to an unknown epic meetup that night when Kim and Jake were launching their adventure company. And I don't know how, I think I know how he found us. He's told the story. I think he Googled Happy Startup, not knowing that we existed and and seemed to, through the serendipitous web, found us.
1: I remember you guys coming down and um, running a workshop on empathic storytelling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I, you know, I was curious, but I had no idea what this was all about. I really, you know, empathy for me was still just a word. It wasn't anything that meant anything to me, and then to have that experience of understanding how we can tap into stories to create empathy, and and then that journey that took myself and and many of our members down of understanding more and more how to use that skillfully was for me one of the, one of the biggest game changers in my life. Anyway, so it's what I feel is one of those serendipitous moments where a Google search by some Costa Rican dude in a university in London turns into a a connection, a relationship that's lasted so all of these years. It's it's, Mm. it's great and it's amazing.
0: And I think both you guys and also Sebas on his side and myself on my side and us together, we're all obsessed with community. I'd say Mm. that community is a core value of the four of us and that's been... Um, you guys are creating community in Brighton around entrepreneurship um, and we've created community in Costa Rica around adventure and exploration and around nonviolent communication as well. So I think there was a very natural fit between the four of us and it's turned into a really beautiful friendship that we're very grateful for. I'm mm-hmm.
1: I remember,
2: just going to say, when we came to Costa Rica to Sebas's event, Echo, it was a home from home. It really was that feeling of, this is just a sister community. And I'm sure that's what you guys probably feel as home at summer camp, is is like plugging into a bunch of people who, even if you haven't met yet, they feel like friends.
1: Yeah. I was going to use exactly that same word, sister, sister community. This mm. real feeling, despite the many miles between us, it, it was... It was the same feeling as we have at summer camp. And I have so many strong memories of that event in Costa Rica. I, what is that big tree that mm. we all sat Vida under Vida. for the opening ceremony?
0: Yeah, it's called the Vida tree, but maybe Saras can say in the chat what kind of a tree it is because <laughs> I'm looking out right now. And Vida means life. So it's, uh, it's a beautiful, huge tree that we all gather around. Kind of the heart of
1: the event, no? It was an amazing ceremony to start off with. When when we um, as a banyan tree, as has mm-hmm. uh, just shared, uh, but I felt a real, you know, it was a it was a really strong experience. I can I can s- smell the smells and I can feel the heat already. And I don't know if you can remember the howling monkeys.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember them in the tent. I think we arrived quite late at night. And I, I had no clue what those noises were coming out. So I thought it was like just some noisy campers. <laughs> but it turns out we were in the jungle. Because, you know, when you arrive somewhere late at night, you're not quite sure what the setup is. And
1: yeah. It, was it like howler it... monkeys tarantulas, butterflies, Scorpion. banyan trees, um, flying beach balls, and uh, drones. <laughs> it, was, uh, Frisbee. it was a... Rogue
2: frisbees. Sorry? Rogue frisbee! You threw a frisbee. In it. Rogue One of frisbee. Friends gave her a black eye. I think you remember.
1: And amazing talks and workshops that really kind of, uh, I think, just connected us to to the people there, but also to this idea of you know this 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 world that we're living on, uh, and also the story that we had to tell ourselves, Lawrence, about our work. And I mentioned this because I I told a story in that talk. That relates so much to the story I've had to tell this week about what's happening. And I think that's part and it connects as well for this story that the, the storytelling workshop was which was the first experience I had with you and Sabas about tapping into these memories and feelings that then connects you with other people. Mm-hmm. So it's on this theme of of connection and you talk about community, um, I thought it would be interesting to start around the idea of empathy and what that means because like i said at the beginning at the the, when i first met you guys it was just a word and i didn't really understand what what empathy was about Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and and i want to recognize that empathy has become quite a buzzword hasn't it especially in the past decade or so which i think has been a wonderful coincidence for me trying to start an empathy movement um (laughs) Uh, all of a sudden it became, yeah, front and center and not just some strange um, word that few people knew about. And I think it's important to say that there are a lot of ways to understanding empathy. Um, And at least my understanding of empathy, which comes from the nonviolent communication framework that we'll talk about later on, I'm sure, is this notion of a respectful understanding of what another person is going through as someone said in their questions i saw that they put exactly that if we understand empathy as a respectful understanding of another of what another person is going through and and sometimes it's easier to understand what we mean by this by explaining a little bit what empathy is not because a lot of times um we do things that we think are empathic behaviors when in fact it's creating disconnection with the other person which is probably um, the opposite of the intention that we have in that moment so oftentimes when someone will share something that is difficult for them what we will for example try to draw the lesson from their experience in a way kind of educate them well at least you learned this and that and you'll know not to do this or that again, right? Um, Sometimes what we do is we negate their feelings um, without meaning to, Um, but we'll say something like it's not that bad or look at the bright side or we'll try to put silver lining around it to, to kind of take the person out of where they are and try to put them in a more positive space, a more optimistic space, right? Um, Other things that we do is to start asking a lot of questions just to satisfy our curiosity or to one-up their own story with one of our stories saying, oh, that's nothing, you should have seen what happened to me with my boss last week and then we'll go off on a rant, right? Um, And it's important to say that a lot of times we do these things Um, Or we give our opinion of what the person should do, what we think the person should do without even asking if they want to hear our opinion. And we do these things because we genuinely want to contribute most of the time, right? And we think that we're contributing to to that person um, by giving unsolicited advice or by trying to get them to see the bright side of things or trying to draw a lesson from their experience, when in reality, that's creating disconnection, right? If if you've ever been on the other side of that, on the receiving end of having shared something that feels very vulnerable and difficult and receiving any one of those responses, probably you don't feel very accompanied in that moment. You don't feel really heard or understood. Um, and it's because Most of the times when we're sharing something that is extremely difficult for us, more than solutions or strategy, what we're looking for is connection. What we're looking for is to feel heard, to really feel heard Um, because rarely does the solution make things better. especially in that moment of vulnerable sharing. It could be that later on, you want to move into more of a headspace. but in that very tender and soft moment of sharing something that is really vulnerable, what makes things better is feeling company, feeling heard, feeling connection, right? Um, so that's what empathy gives us, is this incredible opportunity to really listen to someone to really try to understand life from their standpoint um, and to walk side by side with them, right? I like this metaphor of walking side by side versus walking in front of them. When we're walking in front of them, it could be like when we're giving them advice or what when we're telling them what they should do. And when we're walking behind them, it could be like we're judging them. You know, we're, we're judging them in the situation. But we're, when we're walking side by side with them, we're just trying to understand and really put ourselves in their shoes. We're feeling with the person. And, and that's why empathy can be extremely powerful.
1: Hmm. I have that. I've had many experience on both sides where um, discussing something, or I'm sharing something. And the person will be giving a piece of advice, or I'd be wanting to give a piece of advice. And it is the right thing to do. And it is the thing that should happen. But because I haven't been given space, or the other person hasn't been given space to be seen or heard or felt like I'm in their shoes, it's been rejected. Mm
0: -hmm. And is that
1: really skillful part I think of empathy is that even if you have the right answer it won't be accepted if it doesn't feel like or if for me I haven't felt like at least where I'm at and how I'm feeling and how difficult it is hasn't been acknowledged
0: yeah my one of my teachers says that you can't be in empathy and be right at the same time Right. So you're either trying to be right or you're trying to be empathic, but you can't be both at the same time. And I think oftentimes we fall into this loophole that you're referring to where, yeah, we we understand where the other person is coming from and we're giving a solution that feels right. But we're not giving space for for true empathic connection first. We're jumping into conclusions. We're jumping into what should be done. And it's just not as effective right because Mm -hmm. because we lose that connection and so what someone is saying here in the chat i think is right on empathy before honesty i think that's really important because um saying our truth is extremely important especially in these times but if we don't learn how to say our truth with love in other words caring showing care for the person on the receiving end then it's going to fall on deaf ears so it doesn't matter how right we are or how correct our answer or strategy is if it falls on deaf ears then what's the point right
1: mm. mm-hmm. When you I, I think of- even beyond that it, it creates can sometimes create conflict because suddenly <laughs> you're resisting what i feel someone might be imposing on you as a as a way forward right you're going to say something Lauren. sorry
2: oh no when christine was talking then i was just thinking of social media and and people posting you know I'm, I'm just thinking of how we had a chat earlier about this like how many people actually can realistically say that they empathize with the person that they're trying to argue with on online and how how rare that is for someone to say i hear you I'm, I'm sitting with you or walking with you. It's it is It feels generally people trying to prove that they're right.
0: Yeah, to me, social media, I've had to distance myself a lot from social media lately um, because, yeah, to me, it's just this, this perfect and extremely painful example mm. of how communication is playing out in our world and why it's so ineffective, right? It's like... Mm one person giving their opinion, another person becoming defensive and giving their opinion, and then another layer of defensiveness and opinion and another layer of defensiveness and opinion. And it's like, Hmm. it's so obvious that that's not going anywhere. It's Hmm. not, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to get anywhere, you know, and people get more and more complex and detailed about their answers and their, you know, more intricate about it, and it's like if you don't have that pause, that moment to really hear each other out, to really try to put yourselves in each other's shoes and and find a mutual understanding, then it doesn't matter how well you argument your point. It, it's just yeah, yeah it's not going to go through. It's very sad hmm. how that happens.
2: And it's and it's not real life, really. Is it's not how people interact in in the real world. Not often, anyway. <laughs>
1: Yeah, i found this even in our work um at the happy startup school in terms of coaching or just helping you know entrepreneurs or even early stage entrepreneurs trying to move forward with an idea is that you could tell people all the right things to do uh in order to move forward but inevitably or oh, very often I, I've seen some resistance, or experienced some. I've experienced in the past resistance to that advice, or this is resistance to doing something. And I've seen it so much, such a different shift when you're able to reflect and clearly state in your own words what they want, or what they're going through, or what's happening. And suddenly, that shifts completely the mm. energy of okay, going from a defensive mode to then. A receptive mode of okay what do i do now yeah. i don't know if you found that lawrence in terms of the conversations with people and...
2: <laughs> well i think christine said it at the beginning is being heard mm-hmm. and if you say this is what i heard from what you said or your situation like you said i think for any entrepreneur i think context is so important that mm-hmm. you know, what works for me won't work for you and might not work for the next person we can share our experiences of what we think could be a way to tackle a problem. But unless you know people's context, then it's, like you said, it just doesn't doesn't land and they probably won't do it. So I think, like you said, just being able to relay back to someone what you feel is what they've told you, then that feeling of, I I feel heard. And now any advice or guidance will come, I think, with what feels like a bit more care than just, you should do this. This is what worked for me. Go do it. If you don't do it, you're an idiot. <laughs> and where we see this at some of the events we run, you know, we're having to you know, guide people skillfully in trying to be that person so when they're giving advice to others that it doesn't come from a place of um, the shoulds almost.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think I talked uh, quite a bit about what empathy is not and perhaps not as much what empathy is or what empathy can look like And I'd say that there's, you know, there's many ways in which we can incarnate empathic presence. Um, But maybe to name a few of the basic ones is, first of all, just truly listening to someone with all our presence, right? That sounds so simple. But being honest with ourselves, how often does that happen on a day to day basis, even with our families or with our friends that that we're really giving someone our undivided attention and complete, you know, everything else disappears and we're completely present for the other person. So just that, just seeing our presence as a gift that we can give to another um, is, is a very powerful way of showing empathy towards another person. And then another way is what you were saying, Lawrence, kind of reformulating in our own words, what we heard the person say. So after we listen actively, we can say, you know, what I heard you say is this or that or that, which both of you have been really good in different moments of giving me that kind of empathy. Actually, I've received it from both of you. (laughs) Um, So just saying in our own words what we heard the other person say, it just causes such a relief for the person, like, yes, that's exactly what I said or that's what I meant, right? Um, And just being careful that when we are reformulating, we're not putting our judgment or our opinion into that reformulation, right? We're just serving as a mirror for the other person. And I'd say a third way of giving empathy, which is a bit more complex, is reflecting feelings and needs. Right? So when when the person, and that's what we call an empathic reflection in the nonviolent communication world. So when the person after the person shares something with me, I can try to guess what feelings are present and what needs have been impacted in that situation. And what that does is that it allows for the person to kind of connect with their own inner wisdom about what they would like to do in a given situation, right? Because you're, you're giving them back the information that they've said, but in a language that is more universal and that helps us move from the head to the heart, right? Because oftentimes when we're Sharing something difficult, it comes from our head, our judgment, um, and moving to feelings and needs allows us to make that transition into our heart and to come in touch with a different kind of wisdom, um, mm. a heart kind of wisdom, right? So so that's a very valuable way in which we can give empathy as well as reflecting feelings and needs.
1: Mm. So I feel we've um, shifted now into this more empowered way of looking at empathy and how mm-hmm. um, how this understanding of it can can enhance connection uh, and and also help us contribute in a more powerful way to people’s lives.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I sense that you know some of the stuff that you're talking about is part of the toolkit of the nonviolent communication skills that you you've acquired over these these many years. Maybe we could you could share a bit more about nonviolent communication for anyone who's who never heard of it before or, or doesn't know how it works.
0: Yeah, sure. Nonviolent communication was created in the late 60s by a humanistic psychologist called Marshall Rosenberg in the United States. And um, a lot of people ask me once they learn more about nonviolent communication and realize that, more than anything, it's about self-awareness um, and self-knowledge. The tools that nonviolent communication gives us helps us foster a lot of self-awareness. At least for me, that's been the most um, the most important gift of, of all is just to get to know myself better, you know? Um, because when that happens, I naturally, I have... I develop in a very natural way my capacity to better understand other people as well. So it kind of has this domino effect of bringing more harmony and understanding into all of my relationships, but starting with myself, right? Um, And a lot of people ask me, going back to that, why nonviolent communication? It sounds like something you would want to use if you're yelling with another person, or you're throwing chairs at each other, or something like that, right? Um, and the reason it's called nonviolent communication is because Marshall, very, in a very deliberate way, wanted it to be the language of the nonviolence movement. So recognizing that there was already all this work that had been done by people like Gandhi or Martin Luther King around the topic of. Nonviolence and incarnating peace and compassion and bringing those qualities into the world, he kind of came up with a language that we can use that facilitates that. um, and that's why he 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 pinned it, let's say, nonviolent communication so that it fit into the broader nonviolence movement.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. And now it feels more relevant than ever, as you said at the beginning, that this is. It's this is when it needs to bear fruit um, mm-hmm. to deal with the kind of situations we find ourselves in. Um, to to give people a um, maybe an understanding of how how it works, are you able to give a brief breakdown of of you know some of the principles around it? Yeah.
0: So one of the- some of the principles and I'll try to be very brief because I know quite a lot of people on this call already know about NBC, but hopefully this will be useful (laughs) as a refresher to you as well. Um, And I'd say that really nonviolent communication is is a language um, that allows us to come in touch with empathy with ourselves, and to bring empathy to our relationships to other people. So it's kind of a language of empathy, let's say. And it gives us specific tools that assist us to move from a paradigm of control to a paradigm of connection, right? So you you were talking before about how conflicts arise and conflicts arise um, because we have different ideas or different strategies on how to meet needs right? Um, And conflicts arise because we have certain attachments to an outcome or to a particular result. So when we use nonviolent communication or when when we incarnate this consciousness, because more than tools or methodology, it's really about a consciousness. Um, We are prioritizing connection over control. And that's a choice, right? So... (laughs) I'm not saying that this is the right way to do things or the correct way to do things. It's just a very empowering set of tools if what we want is to achieve more connection and we're willing to let go of some of the control in order to do that, right? So um, in in order to achieve that connection, Marshall talks about four components and each of those components Um, facilitate that goal of connection and have like a shadow component, let's say. So the first one is observations, our capacity to make neutral observations of what happened in a particular situation, taking out our judgment, our opinion, our interpretation, so that we can create like a a common ground from which to have a dialogue or a conversation. The shadow of observations, I would say, are judgments, right? So imagine um, any kind of scenario or situation where you have an emotional charge with someone about something. If you begin that conversation by stating a judgment, then immediately you're going to create defensiveness in the other person because you're speaking from your own experience and it might not speak to the experience of the other person. Right. So observations are our capacity to state what happened in terms of what I heard, what I saw in a way where the other person would agree that that's what happened. Right. And so it allows us to move forward into the other four components, which are about feelings instead of thoughts. So we move from thoughts and all the stories that we're telling ourselves to being vulnerable and saying how we felt in that situation and taking responsibility for our feelings. And then what needs came up for us. And needs are really at the heart of nonviolent communication because they speak to our universal experience as humans, right? Um, Needs are all the things that enrich our lives at a physical and emotional level. So things like love, affection, solidarity, company, being heard, being seen, um, collaboration, communication, all these things that everyone wants and everyone values in different hierarchies and in different ways. But when we're able to to, to speak in the language of needs, we're speaking to an experience that we all can recognize. So, so needs are a shortcut for empathy. They're a shortcut for achieving empathy in difficult conversations. And I think with everything that's going on now with the Black Lives Matter movement across the world, um, being able to distill what is happening in needs language can be a very effective way to creating understanding more quickly. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that conversations can move forward. um, And so that we can have those difficult conversations without losing connection, right? And then the final the final component is the request. So once you have clarity on your needs, um, you wanna be able to make a request in the form of a question that kind of invites the other person to enrich your life by stating wh- wh- what your needs are in that moment, right? So, you know, would you be willing to ask me, um, if I want to see a difficult video before you send it to me via WhatsApp. Because I noticed that sometimes I'm very open to seeing those videos as a way of educating myself, but sometimes they really create a difficult impact, emotional impact that it's hard for me to recover from. So if I get a heads up, it would be really useful for me to be able to make that choice. Right. So that's an example of a request where I'm stating my needs very clearly instead of telling someone like I'm sick and tired of you sending me videos that, you know, make me start the day like uh," and then it takes me like three hours to get centered again. And like I feel like it's so disrespectful. You see the difference? (laughs) (laughs) Because I know a lot of people are relating to what I say about receiving unsolicited (laughs) videos or difficult messages via WhatsApp or other channels of communication. I know I receive those from my mom or from my family all the time and I've had to say, you know, please give me a warning because it, it has a very big impact on me and that way I can experience choice. If I don't have a warning, I look at it without choice, without knowing that what's coming is difficult and it really impacts my days so i make a request without losing connection with the other person which again is what we're trying to maintain always so
1: awesome thank you very much (laughs) you said earlier that um uh nvc and um working with empathy has been really important to yourself it's helped you Mm -hmm. And I thought i wanted to bring this right. You know, we've taken it a very useful, I think, intellectual understanding of Mm -hmm. MVC. um, And I was wondering if we could ground it into a more personal experience about how it's helped you in your life. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I think that's a very deep question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Too (laughs) much. I think trying to be... Brief, I'll I'll talk to two specific moments in my life. And one of them has to do with when I first learned about NBC in my early 20s. I just had this aha moment of kind of feeling like if I had been taught these tools as a child, and especially as a teenager, I would have had such a different experience as an adolescent because as an adolescent, I was very um, involved in my emotional world. I had a very, very intense relationship with my internal world and my emotional world, and I didn't know how to make sense of that. Um, I was also extremely sensitive and now I know empathic. (laughs) So I would, you know, I loved connecting with other people one-on-one, but I would really carry their problems as if they were my own. Um, and I think these tools have, have given me, like, such a useful understanding of how I can name my emotions and my needs to feel empowered by them instead of feeling drowned by them. And at the same time, it's it's given me really useful tools to be in empathy with other people, to you know, to recognize that one of my superpowers is is empathic presence, but to realize that I have choice in when I give empathy and when I don't. And I think this is really important, because it's, it's really a matter of self care, right? Um, and this is why I want to emphasize that I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's important for me to people, for people to hear that empathy is not correct or the new right way of doing things. It's just, it's a choice. Empathy is really a choice. And and sometimes we need to realize that we're not in a space to give empathy to other people because we're feeling very depleted ourselves, right? So if we do try to give empathy in those moments, we'll end up resenting that person because we'll feel so depleted after that conversation. You know, so just that awareness of knowing that empathy is a choice and that if I can establish certain boundaries to kind of care for myself, when I do choose to show up with empathy, I can be so much more effective at it because it's coming from a place of real choice and empowerment. And I'm also able to trust That the other person is going through whatever they need to go through um, to learn whatever it is that they're learning in this moment of their life. So I don't need to carry their burden on my shoulders. I can be, you know, this empathic guide or facilitator. I can reflect feelings and needs in a way where they connect with themselves, but it's not like Christine has to take the problem home and think about how to solve it, you know. So that was a really important moment for me of just feeling like I could be um, I could become much more empowered by my sensitivity and by, by these qualities that felt like a disadvantage at one point and now feel like superpowers. And I think NBC has, has been really useful for that. And then more recently, a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with, with breast cancer. And I've been on a, on a roller coaster ride of a healing journey. And to me, nonviolent communication has just, I mean, it I've I've gained so much renewed kind of respect for it, for what it has to offer, because it's really been my compass in how I make decisions every step of the way, right? So So NVC consciousness for me is a way to really be in touch with myself, with what I value most, and to make decisions that are aligned with that. Instead of living my life kind of in automatic pilot mode, ending up in situations and with a life that I don't enjoy or where I can't recognize how did I get here. And instead of that, I feel like I've been the protagonist and a conscious decision maker, every step of the way of the reality that I'm creating for myself and the people around me. And that's been, you know, that's just been like a whole other aspect inside of NVC consciousness that I've been so grateful for. Like, I honestly don't know how I would have been able to survive this very challenging time without these tools and without this consciousness.
1: Oh, thanks, thanks so much, Christina.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: think it's it's. Um, I find it very useful to to see how these these really powerful concepts, and sometimes they feel too far away, to can be useful in our lives. Uh, when I think sometimes about your work, I think about you know big meetings or kind of conflict resolution, in, and I think of organisations. And I, I, I think sometimes particularly early say forget that this is something that's about relationships between people
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and creating that connection. And, and like we said, with the title of this, this webinar, more than ever, mm-hmm. we're needing to find a way to, to create connection.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Any thoughts, Lawrence? Is there anything you, you wanted to share? <clears throat>
2: I think what Charlotte just said, really, your idea of, I think, particularly what you've gone through, um, I think it's quite easy for people to slip into the victim mode, it feels like. And again, I haven't been through what you've been through, so I can't speak from that position. But I, I get a sense of, as a really strong woman, who's led from the heart to then be put in a position where maybe you're not as much in control as you'd like to be, somehow managing to take these tools and use them for for that purpose really like you said feeling empowered you have a choice you're able to you know chart your own path and that feels that feels like in itself hugely valuable like you said not thinking about how this might help in congress but how does this help you your relationship Mm -hmm. with yourself and those very close to you and and I can imagine how that might empower them to know how to operate or behave around you
0: yeah yeah and I do want to clarify, though, um, because I don't want to make it sound super romantic or like a magic wand. (laughs) There's a lot of difficulty that comes with standing your ground. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: that comes with really living a life and making decisions that are aligned to your core needs. Because oftentimes, and especially when there's a life-threatening disease um, or illness Kind of in the middle of it, a lot of times it's difficult for people to understand. Or um, when when I don't have the same opinion on the path I want to take than my partner or than people from my family, like it's a very difficult conversation to have. And I think other people, um, you know, that that have gone through cancer, or other serious illness, that don't have the privilege that I've had to know these tools kind of fall into a position of just saying everything, doing everything that the doctor tells them to do. Mm-hmm. Even if a lot of those things don't feel, um, don't, don't feel aligned with their vision or, you know, with the kind of decisions they would make for themselves. So when you have a more empowered patient um, <laughs> that wants to understand things and wants to make her own decisions, and oftentimes those decisions don't align with, not just doctors but loved ones Mm. it's complicated it's complicated and it's very complex and i wouldn't say it's an easier path Um, but i would definitely say that it's a path that feels again more aligned to who i am and it feels more aligned to understanding cancer and illness as a messenger as some you know as something that that happened to me for me to learn certain things, to be able to see certain things. And if I'm just following everyone's instructions and not paying attention to myself and to my intuition, then it's very hard to learn and see those things, right? So, yeah, so I I did want to say that, that the NVC path is is a beautiful, deep path, but it's a complex path, (laughs) or at least it has been in my, in my case. And I learned nonviolent communication first. I was exposed to nonviolent communication by an aunt of mine. Her name is Lucy. She's the sister of my of my father. And she's been a very important kind of role and mentor in my life. And I remember when she started learning about NBC and practicing NBC and speaking NBC, we were all like, what is wrong with Lucy? Like, why is she talking so weird? Like, and she, oh, she used to be like the yes aunt, the aunt that said yes to everything. And she was, you know, so we all loved her for that because she just was pampering us all the time. And all of a sudden she was putting these boundaries and saying what was okay and what was not okay and talking about her needs. And we were all scandalized. We were like, where's old Susie, you know? Um, and fast forward 15 years later, um, I don't even remember what the old Susie was like, but there's definitely a transition for your family and friends of kind of getting to know this new person that is more empowered, that sets boundaries, that you know, <laughs> that wants to do things her way. Um, that that will take getting used to, to say the least.
2: <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I remember when we first came across it. And I think when you've known someone for a while, I me and Carlos have known each other a long time, or when you've been with your partner a long time and you start to maybe introduce some of these mm-hmm. this way of communicating um the mm-hmm. idea that my need for order isn't being met when washing up hasn't been done <laughs> you know this just doesn't doesn't land well with, with uh, yeah. other halves, let's say
0: <laughs> yeah. and there is of course like um At first it sounds very mechanical because the steps are meant to be very mechanical because it's such a different way of communicating than what we're used to. But as we apply it more and more and we learn more about it, we're able to naturalize the language. So at first it feels like a robot is talking and then slowly but surely it, it becomes part of our second nature and I can say it in such a way um that it doesn't feel so robotic for the person on the receiving end so it it does get better
2: (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't get easier
0: (laughs) (laughs) easier.
1: (laughs) i love the story about your aunt and and how everyone was trying to get used to to the way the shift that she was she was creating for herself it makes me think around, you know, when you are maybe the only person who's trying to practice this and you're surrounded by people who don't necessarily understand it. And I feel it's a practice that, that really will benefit a conversation, even if it's one person doing it. But as that person, you are holding all of that space now rather than feeling like the other person is, ref- is, is sharing the burden of that conversation. It makes me think, to where we are at the moment and how we're trying, particularly myself and Laura, so we're trying to feel into how can we contribute and how can we take action? What, what is it that we can do to, to feel a part of a solution of, of whether it's to do with supporting anti-racism to minimising prejudice to, to seeing systems change, which seems like massive things huge Mm -hmm. things to try and do Mm -hmm. so it feels like we're a bit powerless yeah yeah but then how we can use some of these things that we've learned from yourself and the people in our community how can we use that to navigate what we can do and how we can act and i'm just curious to maybe end on this kind of idea of like what what possibilities are there that of understanding how empathy works how understanding what you've just described can can help us feel it into a way forward.
0: Yeah, thank you for that question because I think NVC and empathy has such a role to play in the times that we're going through. And I'd like to share with you maybe a few things that we could do at a systemic level in terms of understanding privilege and institutionalized racism. And then what are things that we can do more at a personal level, if that's okay with you guys. So I'll start with the systemic and I want to share with you guys um, this article that one of my most important mentor in nonviolent communication wrote like four years ago. I'm putting it in the chat and it's about facing privilege And I just wanted to say that one of the things that really got me into looking at nonviolent communication as a life path was seeing the work that some teachers were doing around power and privilege. In other words, using nonviolent communication skills to engage more constructively with privilege. And to me, this is extremely important because if we only use nonviolent communication and these tools to kind of make our lives better, then um, that's a privilege in and it of itself, isn't it? <laughs> it's like we have access to these amazing tools and this amazing consciousness, but we're not stewarding that privilege for the benefit of, of a greater whole. So I, I really love that this is an opportunity where we can examine privilege um, and these complex topics with a lot of self-compassion, a lot of patience, and four attitudes that I think we, that are very useful to understand in order to engage with privilege in a constructive way from kind of paralyzed paralyzed stances to more empowered stances are the following and this article talks about that but I'll mention them briefly one of them is moving from denial and invisibility to owning privilege right so i think for a lot of people it's so uncomfortable to realize that we benefit from privilege and we often benefit from privilege causing suffering to other people, even if that's not our intention. Um, Why? Because it's in our systems. It's in the way our society works, right? Some people are protected by our systems and some people are unprotected by our systems. And there's this discourse that everyone has equal opportunity, but in the practice, it, it, it doesn't turn out that way, right? So I think... Um, Accepting that privilege exists and owning up to it is the first really important step um, towards becoming more empowered in this topic. The other thing is moving from guilt and shame to learning about privilege. Because I think once we accept that privilege exists and that we benefit from a lot of those privileges, I think as sensitive souls, that want the world to be a just and beautiful place, um, we feel a, a lot of guilt and shame around it, right? And I think that's a very normal response when engaging with, with this topic. However, staying in that guilt and shame makes it about us, right? It, it makes it about, oh, this is so difficult. This is so out of my comfort zone. I don't want to see this. It's, I don't even know how to engage with this. So instead of that, We can become more empowered by learning about privilege, right? There's all these amazing resources that now are coming out and are becoming so visible. And just start with one, little by little, right? There's amazing books uh, about white privilege and other topics um, that, that can just begin to shed light and educate us on this important topic. Then the third one is to move from defensiveness to being open to receive feedback, right? So what do I mean by this? Oftentimes when people of color or gay people or any person that suffers from discrimination gives us feedback of what it's like to suffer discrimination, we can get defensive about it, you know? People can say things like, oh, but I have a lot of black friends, or all my best friends are gay. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, why are you calling me out, right? So really trying to pause in those moments where we feel defensive and opening our hearts up to the person that's giving us feedback, because it's very difficult for that person to give feedback to begin with, right? They're they're coming out of a position of suffering a lot of invisibility of their pain and their struggles, a lot of difficulty and for them to actually have the courage to express, you know, I feel uncomfortable when you say this or when you said that it made me feel this way. Let's try to stay with that person and not make it about us by becoming defensive and really hearing what they have to say, really getting familiar with their experience, okay? And then the fourth thing is moving from entitlement to stewarding our privilege and resources to the benefit of all, okay? So um, I think that one of the most powerful things that we can do once we accept our privileges, once we own them, once we learn about them is to try to be creative of what are ways in which I can use the resources that I have to kind of care for the whole, you know, be a steward. And I think this call is an example of that, right? So you guys are saying what's going on in the world that's so confusing, I don't even know where to begin or how to act or what to say, because I wanna say the right thing, I wanna do the right thing, I'm not even sure what that is. But I have this platform, I have this community, I know certain people that are working on this topic. So you invite me to come over and to talk a little bit about privilege and NBC and how we can infuse kind of this path of understanding with empathy, which I think is so important. If we don't do this with empathy, it's just going to turn into a war of confrontation. No, we're not, we're not going to go anywhere with it if we don't infuse everything that's going on with empathy. So I think just this space that you've created is an example of how you can steward your resources and privilege to create more understanding, hopefully, for other people. Um, so that's what I mean by this last thing of stewarding privilege and, and resources for, for benefit of the whole. I hope that makes
1: sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of that's amazing. That has mm-hmm. so sort of like crystallized so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's really helped me understand what this journey is because the, even the, the 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 conversation of the top, topic of privilege, and I think the first thing that springs to mind, everyone says, is white privilege. I I feel privilege. I have privilege, and acknowledging mm-hmm. that that's also. Um, something that I can work with not to be guilty about Mm -hmm. is something I think that's what I'm looking for. And that's what I'm hoping these conversations Mm -hmm. will help with is just to empower people rather than feel like they're paralyzed or disabled from doing anything because they're they're part of the problem in inverted commas.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think if this resonated with people, just checking out the article, the link of the article that I put in the chat will be extremely useful to kind of, yeah, engaging with privilege in a way where we don't feel just stagnated, you know? Yeah. Um, where we feel instead empowered. And yeah, so I think the roadmap that Mickey Cash 10 provides is extremely useful for that. And, and recognizing, as you said, Carlos, that there are some areas in which we have privilege and some areas where we lack privilege. Um, so even within ourselves we we contain that contradiction no we can we contain that tension and so at the personal level what i would say is to really if if you're starting on this path of understanding privilege of understanding racism of trying to engage with what's going on in the world please 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 practice a lot of patience and self-compassion with yourself. No, because um, if you don't, you'll probably end up in a position where it's so uncomfortable that you won't want to engage with it again. Right. So moving in baby steps and kind of learning little by little and accepting little by little and, you know, knowing that you'll make mistakes probably and say things that might offend people in the process of trying to make things better. Like, yes it's part of our learning process and that doesn't mean we shouldn't stop there you know it's so self-compassion 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 telling yourself i'm doing the best that i can i'm doing the best that i can and connecting over and over again with your intention with all of this which is probably very pure you know your intention is probably of vision and dreams of a more just world or your intention is probably contribution your intention might be solidarity right so bringing it back to the intention will will help you move strongly in that path
1: that's wonderful thank you christine i'm conscious that we've gone over a bit over time but i i also want to try and acknowledge a couple of questions before we leave are you okay to to continue for a little bit christine
0: yes yes
1: thank you um so uh the top question is from Seb, so I'm going to skip that first because that'll be some favoritism. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, let's see where can we sit? So let's see, it's Catalina here. We've got uh, I'm struggling with observing that some dear people have hardened their heart, and my intention is not heard at all anymore. Is there a way to use NVC and temporary non-action to soften those who are at odds with each other? I don't know if that mm-hmm.
0: Have hardened themselves in, in terms of what, in what context?
1: Mm, maybe that's something that Catalina may need to share with us. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yes. If we don't, maybe we don't have enough here to, to give you a, a solid answer, Catalina. I'm sorry. Um, but maybe-
0: what I can't do without knowing that is that every position that a person has within what's happening in the world response to needs okay so there are underlying needs behind every position so if a position is to not do anything with regards to everything that's happening or to harden your heart what do you think are the needs behind those people that are underlying that that inaction let's say probably safety emotional safety right it It probably feels incredibly unsafe to have these conversations or to think about these things. It might be around acceptance, right? So just remembering that no matter how painful people's stances and positions are to us, because we might be experiencing very different needs, they still are protecting needs with their action or inaction, and that might help to kind of infuse those relationships with a little bit of compassion and with a little bit of empathy and patience.
1: Awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a question here from Tony, the empathy guy. So I hope he knows a bit of a thing or two of what we're talking about. But he says, some of my friends, teammates, and fraternity brothers hear the term nonviolent communication as an indictment of their character, implying they are violent. What do you Mm -hmm. think of the term nonviolence for communication
0: well i think that yeah that's a common response especially people who um painfully perhaps perceive themselves as aggressive <laughs> they get very defensive with the term nonviolent communication so what i do when i pitch um nonviolent communication services and products to for example government groups or um, companies which uh, tend to get more defensive with that term, I call it empathic communication, right? So that's just a way to remove any initial barrier that could cause defensiveness.
1: I think Tony, the empathy guy, would like that. <laughs> <laughs> it seems on brand.
2: <laughs> it, seems, it seems less um, judgment than nonviolent communication if he's in <laughs> They might be wrong.
0: I love what Sarah, I just want to say that I love what Sarah said, that as was mentioned this afternoon in the BLM session, Black Lives Matter, conflict stops when pain is recognized and acknowledged. And to me, that's a really great summary of everything we've been talking about in this session, because when we acknowledge other people's pain, they feel seen they feel heard they feel understood and that means we go into mourning together we go into mourning in solidarity knowing that we can never understand fully what a person of color is going through but we can feel their pain you know and we can stand right by them so if we can do that if we can recognize pain if we can listen to pain without getting defensive but But this and this and this, but that and that and that, but da-da-da-da-da. Then we can start to mourn together and to stand in solidarity together. Mm. So I I love, I love this, yeah, this point that she makes.
1: Mm -hmm. Amen.
2: I think Chris Keasley mentioned it a few weeks ago in a webinar we did with her about the song Abide With Me, the idea that apparently abide means to sit with Mm -hmm. with someone Mm -hmm. in the pain. Feels like a yeah. real nice alignment there. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Mm.
1: Well, thank you very much, Christine. This, um, it, it, I feel full, mm. full of uh, energy, uh, potential, uh, and also knowledge, uh, and 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 also full of things to now go and read, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: research. You never stop learning.
1: You never stop learning as Sarah said in the comment lots to research and investigate Um, yeah
2: and it's come I mean this is a bit of serendipity it's come at this time for us I think is we're on this journey of discovery and curiosity and this feels like a lovely stepping stone towards something something we don't know but something better
0: awesome awesome Awesome. thank you so much for having me and for listening to me I, I feel like I talked a lot
2: oh no yeah you were in your flow. I could listen for hours. I'm sure other people would <laughs> agree. Um, and yeah, thanks to Sebastian for getting the tech set up and probing <laughs> questions.
0: I found it yeah. immensely for valuable. Everyone who accompanied us as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. haven't given their time. And again, to get to see some familiar faces there.
1: Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone, for joining us and spending this time. Um. um we have uh we're doing these every single friday i think next week we might be taking a little bit of a twisty turn from this but um i'm going to be talking to i think we're talking to alan wick i need to do
2: it next week
1: oh sally Ann, of course that's Mm -hmm. because next week we're going to be doing the day of nothing and so next week we're doing the 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 power of pause Mm. um and that and now that you' saying that already, that that feels um a, a place that we need to consider as well when we're when we're rushing forward to find solutions and answers as well in terms of how, how that can help um all of us, I think, do something more productive with, with the situation we have at hand. So I hope to see you next Friday. Um Christina said we're
2: book. contributing to the book. We should mention that as well. This yes. uh, work of art that seems to be coming to life as we speak so yeah sign up for the day of nothing and you'll get i think christine's written a chapter on um well creating space for empathy because i think a lot of this stuff like you said if you're in doing mode maybe it's not the best place to to feel that that pain of other people so yeah look out for that yeah
1: goodbye everyone (laughs) have a good rest of the day take care
2: take care see
1: you soon everyone Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?